0: Welcome to Zero to a Million, where we interview multimillionaires on how they scaled their business to $500 million. Uh, 10 years ago? Nah, there are plenty of those types of podcasts out there. We want to provide you with strategies real time while we scale Unstack from zero to a million. Every week, you can learn from our successes and failures. Plus, get tips from our mentors and advisors. We implement, you learn while we learn, we scale. Welcome to the Zero to a Million podcast.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Zero to a Million, brought to you by Unstack. I'm your host, Zach Rigo, and I'm joined by my co-host, Grant Deacon. Today, we're speaking with the CEO and founder of Privy, the leader in e-commerce marketing for small businesses and entrepreneurs, and the host of the e-commerce marketing podcast, Ben Jabawi. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining
0: us. Welcome, Ben.
2: This is fun. Thanks for having me.
1: I'd love for you to give a quick background on Privy, kind of the, the genesis for the business, why you started it, and give, some, uh, give our
2: listeners a little bit of insight into what you're building. So I, I'm not a developer, but I, I kind of grew up as a bit of a web geek, and both of my parents were entrepreneurs. So mom had a business, dad had a business, and because I was like familiar with the web, they, they were kind of increasingly asking me to do things like, hey, you built me a website, What's email marketing? What's Google ads? And I just saw that there was, and and my parents are amazing, but they're by no means like, um, innovative on the digital marketing side. Right. So I I thought, Hey, wow, if my parents are starting to adopt tools and have more of a hunger to move away from agency into self-serve or away from developers into self-serve, like that's a signal that there's a shift coming. And so, um, you know, I, I had had a little bit of start experience before, nothing related to web, but um, had the confidence to say, OK, let me go kind of explore this idea. Um, wasn't sure who the right customer would be, kind of fumbled in the wrong industry for a couple of years and and didn't really figure it out, but, but really saw what MailChimp and Constant Contact and uh, Groupon were doing and felt like, oh, wow, like, tools that they can use to do digital marketing was going to be a, a big wave coming.
0: So Ben, I have to ask, so as a founder, you, you know, you think back to the origin, like when you had this idea and you started this business and then you guys just last week went through probably your like biggest volume day for the business thus far, right? What is it like? Could you imagine that like, like looking back to yourself, you know, five, six years ago and then like thinking about, you know, what kind of volume you guys are doing today? Like what? it's just pretty incredible.
2: I was so naive. And I think it's a good thing when I started the company, like, I thought, wow, it would be so cool if we were like, a 10 person company doing a million dollars a year, you know. Um, And it took us a very took five years to get to a million. I never once thought when I first started, that we would be at the numbers we're at the size of team we're at the global presence that we have like it's it's amazing and i i never take that for granted um and black friday you know november and e-commerce is like super bowl sunday you know so it's like it's every year has just gotten just kind of more amazing to think about the scale that we have and the impact that we have for our our businesses when yeah. was the last time you enjoyed a thanksgiving oh my god um, <laughs> You know it's different now we have like an incredible team and right. the performance of our application is is through the roof um but yeah like since i'd say since 2015 black friday and thanksgiving week has been like a very tense like fingers you know cross on on the edge of your seat type of experience but i, I wouldn't have it any other way it's awesome
1: yeah uh, it's amazing i mean obviously i've been uh somewhat following your growth and the growth of the team you've hired Incredible people all around. Uh, I think, especially in the marketing department, uh, former colleague of mine now over there. You definitely don't oh, want to yeah. lose her, Christina. Christina. She's she's, she's outstanding. I actually talked to her the other day to get some advice. I will continue to do that. But I think you know, up until this point, right? You built out a big team. What were your most successful growth channels? You kind of mentioned you got to a million. I think the growth from there and beyond has been much faster than the zero to a million piece, which I think is pretty common, right? The first million is the hardest. But what was the successful growth channels you saw as you scaled the business to the point it is today?
2: you know, there's the buzzword of product-led growth kind of floating around everywhere. I kind of hate that word, but I get it. Um, but, you know, we we realized that, you know, so much of, of marketing today is about um, plugging into the existing stack, you know? And so we, we we're building a product that, you know, Broadly speaking, it was applicable to every single e commerce store in the world. And on top of that, we just because of our struggles in getting, you know, customer attention early on, we said, you know what, screw it. We need to get a free product out there. And it, if it's broadly applicable to everyone in the world, there's a great, not a BS free version, but like a really powerful free version. And we're integrated into the existing tools that you're using today. But we do one thing, and we do one thing better than anyone else. Like, that's that's an amazing wedge. And so we saw early, like, our initial iteration of Privy was actually really just around, like, growing your email list, believe it or not. And um, we've expanded a bunch since into a full marketing automation suite. But um, what we realized was, hey, the existing email marketing solutions like MailChimp, like Constant Contact, they don't offer great growth tools, but their business models are predicated on the number of mailable contacts. So if we build an integration into those existing ecosystems, at the time they all had app stores, and we make it easy to, to like add value to MailChimp or Constant Contact for the shared user, then we think that that ecosystem would be more likely to promote us as an app right? Because it's, it's to their benefit, it's to the benefit of the customer. And that would be a great way for us to get distribution. So we knew we were going to have to build some integrations anyways, because we had no plans on offering email or text or anything other than list growth at the time. Um, and so we just, I mean, I, I remember um, kind of giving a presentation to the team, we were like five people at the time around, how every time we build an integration and get an app store listing, we get more users. And so like, we need people that are like building more functionality so the product matures and that we can scale and be performant. We also need people that are just building integrations. And so we we really believed that and felt that. And so over a two year period, I think uh, we built internally, we built like 40 integrations. And, you know, that was like, a way for us to get our foot in the door in an ecosystem. And until you get that app store listing, you have no idea what it's going to do for you, right? Like it might do nothing. And you're like, oh shit, you know, like that sucks. We just wasted a couple weeks or it might do everything. Right. And so, you know, we, we were kind of swimming around. We built all those integrations. Some were driving 10 users a month. Others were driving a couple hundred. And then over time, we, we kind of shifted um, and, and instead of just building ESP integrations to sync your contacts that got from Privy over to there, we also realized like the other friction point of our product was, you know, you remember like when when apps used to ask you to like copy and paste some widget code to install on your site, we realized like that was the other major friction point. And so we were like, oh, okay, you got to in a code free manner, you need to be able to deploy Privy on your site capture leads and sync it to your existing tools. So we were simultaneously building CMS integrations, uh, mostly focused on like B2C. Uh, so we, we tried Wix, we tried like X cart, uh, Magento, big commerce, Shopify, like all these things. Um, and we found, oh wow, like there's, there's app stores that are engaged on that side too.
1: So we, we, uh, had a guest a couple of weeks ago, they talked a lot about making bets, right? And I think you've had to make some bets along the way. One of the bets you made, and this might've been driven by some of the success in the app store was going down the e-commerce path, right? Like you could have done B2B email capture just as much as you could have done the B2C and e-commerce side. What was that fork in the road? Was it driven by success in the app store or was it driven by just a bet on where's the total addressable market that we can go after?
2: I always knew that um, we would need to be like, supporting B2C businesses as opposed to supporting B2B, like, um, it was just so, and it still is, it's so crowded in B2B, you know, it's like HubSpot, Marketo, Eloqua, that, those were like the big names at the time. And and all I thought was, wow, like, because of my parents' businesses, which were a little bit more B2C, I had the context of like, I actually had looked at some of those tools for my mom's business, and they just didn't make sense, you know, like, Salesforce, HubSpot, they just didn't make sense. So that was kind of what had me originally focused on supporting B2C small business. Um, and so there was, like, from day one, we were a little bit focused, but I, I, I chose the wrong vertical originally. We were focused on brick and mortar, and I didn't know anything about e commerce at the time. So it was definitely through integrations and integration testing that we found our way into e commerce.
0: And how much of it, like when you guys launched an integration, how much of it was this, okay, like integrations built like onto the next one versus like how much did you have to invest after you built the integration to really get those to take root um, and start to like, you know, uh, you know, reap the rewards from those?
2: Yeah. So I think like there was some BD that I wrapped around these integrations. It was very light, you know, it was like reach out to, uh, I mean, I don't even know if they're still around, but like Mailer Light, you know, it was like an email company for B2C. Tell them we're building an integration, right? Because that's these days, like that's how it happens. There's no way to partner with companies unless you're integrated. Um, and so we would like get our foot in the door by telling them we're building an integration or just launch it. Get on their radar, have a conversation, ask if we could do some co-marketing together. And like all of my conversations were very crystal clear around the the value that we would bring to the shared user base and how that would benefit them and their customer. And so, you know, when you make that crystal clear to the integrated partner, um, you know, unless there's like a competitive threat, they, they hopefully um, can help. Right. Um, and so that was like. That was how we did it. So we, we kind of just got our foot in the door with a baseline and then we would just like let it sit and see what the engagement was. Like, is this a company where there is real DNA around third party integrations? You know, like everyone has an app store today, but how many of those ecosystems really have, you know, uh, third party integrations woven into the fabric of their company? You know, so I think um, it's one thing to just build an app store um, and then, like companies like us or, or you build integrations into it. It's another thing where like in that company's new user onboarding, they're showcasing apps that are good for them and, you know, all of that. So it's really hard to know those things when you're first getting started with integrations. But over time, we've gotten better. And if we find that we have really good engagement and this is going to be a strong, like partner ecosystem, then we'll go, We'll gladly build so much more specific to them Um, But we definitely, I mean, over the years, like even just yesterday, we were having a conversation of like, hey, we're just supporting too many of these things. And I mean, over time, we've expanded into full marketing automation. So some of these relationships are competitive and they don't have a lot of shared customers with us. So it's like, all right, let's just slowly whittle down and go deeper on the 10 out of the 50 integrations we have that. Are really important and and we think we'll be here for the next ten years.
1: So obviously Shopify is uh, a focal point, right? It's right on your homepage. It's the it's the you know we've got eighteen thousand plus reviews. You're almost across twenty five thousand, which I think is a good milestone to update. It's pretty outstanding. Uh, what is what is the the whittle down point, right? So you're trying to get down to ten. Like you chose ten. There's obviously probably some consistencies there, and then there's probably a couple surprises. Like what what was the Focus on Shopify and then whittle down to ten. Like, what are those benchmarks that you're looking for to really make sure you're you're harnessing your team's time, and then obviously providing the value to the right customers.
2: Yeah, so a big part of our strategy is like this integrated everywhere approach. Um, so I would say on the like e-commerce platform side, Shopify, Big Commerce, uh, Wix Commerce. Um, you know, there's a handful others. Like uh, Woo we definitely are still hungry to be building more of those. um, And we add more functionality to those regularly, right? Like that's that's where it all happens. And I think that's an important thing to understand is like, where in the stream do you fit into the stack? And so for us, you're not going to use Privy for email and text marketing, unless you have an e-commerce store, right? So we've learned that those are actually like the ecosystems where we need to play and be the most deeply integrated. Over the years on the email marketing side and the text marketing side, we've actually built our own functionality there. And it's specific to our ideal customer profile, which is businesses doing zero to a million when they start with us. So, you know, some of these that we built three years ago, it's just not like a natural customer fit, right? And we offer functionality you know that that we'd rather them use. Um, so, like on our email marketing and text marketing side, that's where we're being more selective. But I, I would I would equate um, what's happening in our ecosystem to kind of like, you know, when when HubSpot rolled out CRM. You know, like HubSpot and Salesforce will always have so many shared customers, even though they offer some of the same functionality. You know, and so. Um, That's kind of what's happening with some of our email and text partners. Like we, we will go deeper with people that are competitive with us um, because we first and foremost believe in an integrated everywhere perspective and there'll be reasons people use us for a fraction of their stack and then use someone else for a fraction. And um, it's important to maintain those.
0: Yeah. I think that philosophy is to just net good for the customer And I think if everybody, you know, everybody wants that at the end of the day. So even if there's a little bit of tension along the way or like some coopetition, like the good for the customer mantra probably outweighs that. Totally. And,
2: you know, depending on where this customer is in their e-commerce journey, you know, they might want an all-in-one bundle or they might want point solutions if they're a bit more advanced. And so you got to, like you said, just just make sure you have that optionality.
0: Ben, one thing that I've seen kind of peripherally following Privy over the last couple of years is I feel like I've seen an, an evolution around the, the brand a little bit. I know you guys made some changes like a year ago. I know Dave came on board, but I'm sure there's a lot of internal discussion about sort of how, you know, how and when and why to hire for maybe that that marketer profile versus what you guys had done in the past. Like I'd be really interested to hear because now I feel like when I see Privy, it, I'm I know you guys are a platform selling marketing tools for your free commerce you know, businesses, but you see a lot, there's a lot more like personification. There's people on the site you guys are doing, you have a book now, like there's more of like, I feel like there's a little bit more of a movement going on. Like how, like how do you, how did you guys think about that? And like, was there a point where you were like, Hey, we have to kind of have to think like differently about our marketing or like we're, we're at an inflection point. Like, how did you get to that? You know, I think that the reason I'm asking that question is I think for a lot of companies that maybe aren't quite where you guys are at, I think struggle with that, the idea of like investing in, in brand and, and story, which is really important. I think no matter what s- size you're at, but they're kind of like, well, no, we, we got to just like be totally in on SEO as a channel or some of these like really big, like more tactical, like short-term ROI things. Um, I, I'd just be curious to hear like your, your like thought evolution as a CEO on that. Yeah. It's been fun. I, I mean, I think I, um,
2: when we first started to get traction, Pervy was—I I wanted us to become synonymous with grow your email list for e-commerce, right? Now we're we're an all-in-one, but originally it was super important that we were just like laser-focused, and so our original marketing that got us from I don't know zero to four million, I'd say, actually. Users or, or revenue, how, do you, how are you thinking about that? Revenue, I think okay. it was actually like maybe zero to some bigger number, <laughs> was, was entirely focused on just list growth, list growth, list growth, list growth, product marketing around list growth and some of the tactics within that. And that was fantastic. Like it did really good for us. It helped create that wedge. And then what ha- what started to happen was like we offered amazing support in a way that no other vendor in our space really did. And that's been a big part of our story that I, I think very few people externally see. Um, but it's time and time again the thing that works. And then we realized, wow, we actually were winning merchants earlier than a lot of these other players. So they, they may be coming to us before they have something like an email marketing solution in place, and so for the first you know four or five million dollars of ARR, we're always like, yeah, use Privy Greater List, go over there, and then and then I'm like, wait, how many times in your life do you have an opportunity to like be everything that your customers asking for, you know? And so we kind of I, I like sh- dusted off some of the chips on my shoulder for how hard it was to get started and realize like, wow, we're actually, we're in one of the fastest growing markets. We're well positioned serving a smaller customer that very few actually understand and want to serve. And they're asking us for more. So you know what, fuck it, let's build this, right? So once we did that, and we saw some of the early validation of our customer base actually buying email from Privy, I I started to have a realization like, wow, we actually have a huge challenge ahead because we need to kind of shed some of our skeletons around just being pop-ups and list growth and kind of lean into that like coaching and support model, but expand that, refresh it to include everything that they need in their marketing. And so once we, we, we tried to do that a little bit um, and it's hard. It's really hard, you know. Like, uh, especially a, a, as a founder, and we were, we were, we still are very scrappy. Like, we don't have huge budgets and stuff. But um, that was just that was an uphill battle. Um, and you know, uh, Dave Dave came in. The team he built is incredible. It's just been a lot of fun to to kind of see that unfold, um, and that has done wonders for us. You know, so now when uh, we have a really strong funnel, right? And so, when the when a new uh, merchant installs Privy today, the perception of who we are and what we offer them, because our product has expanded, because our our story has expanded, and because our our brand perception is very different, like it's night and day from from where we were a few years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think your story's changed a lot to uh, the goal of the product, right? Like how to grow your brand online or how to grow your e-commerce business and the thought leadership and the tools are what you're providing along the way to get to this end state that uh, that I think everybody that launches a Shopify store is dreaming about, right? And I think that's where you guys have really pivoted from email to, you know, the results. And that's that's really powerful. Um, and you're doing it for multiple channels. So you obviously got the the e-commerce marketing podcast, which I love it. It's short form. It's quick hitters, easy wins for people that are probably moving pretty fast uh, love to give you a little background on that as a, as a growth channel and a way to kind of inform the market and be a part of that thought leadership uh, package that you're putting together.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't take credit for that. Like I, a big part of why I felt like Dave was the one for this was because I realized if we were going to shift, a big part of how I speak internally is like, we want Privy to be the destination to learn and to execute. And Um, that learning thing, you know, you just, I mean, I just feel like there's very few that have done it better than him. Um, and you know, he, the first thing he wanted to do, I, I am very hands off with the marketing team, honestly, like I really can't take any credit for this, but, um, you know, I remember it was like day one, he's like, all right, we're launching a show. And uh, I was like, wait, you know, nothing about e-commerce, but it, it was amazing to see, um, and, you know, over time, as, as our team has grown and the show started to grow, you know, my role has changed a lot. We've got leadership in every department. And I, I just kind of felt like um, it was an area that I could help with. So I, I pitched Dave on this idea. He was like, you know, look at look at what some other daily podcasts are doing. There's a lot of traction there. Would you do this? And I was like, all right, yeah, I got nothing else to do. But the, the confidence that I had in terms of the progress we were making on that refresh um, was kind of the only way that I would be able to, to do this. Like I never in a million years would I have started a podcast on my own, right? Without that support underneath me. So um, that's been fun. And then, you know, a big part of what the team does uh, does so well is like the the quality of the content that we put out is at a level that we we really never achieved before. Um, so it's been fun to see that, you know, we're weaving in industry experts, um, we make it look awesome, we repurpose a lot of the stuff that we do, um, because it's still a pretty small team. Um, and they, you know, they work very fast. So, you know, they're, it's it's been fun. Yeah, that's added a new element for me this year. And that actually, like, I was shocked, it really does bring in business The show.
0: Yeah. It's what it it feels like it's like SEO in a way too, where you feel like you're doing it and you're doing it and you're not getting anything from it. And then all of a sudden you're like, why are things working? Why is traffic up? Why are, you know, and it's like, well, because we have this content that's attracting people, it's educating people, it's building trust. It's like, it's hitting on, you know, these four or five key things. Um, and I think like one, one of the, I really, I love what you guys are doing and I, I want us to do more of that. Um, here at, at Unstack for, for our customers. And um, I think it's something that B2B, especially you know, upstream in market enterprise, like it's so like, here's our benchmarks and white papers. There's less of a like, hey, let's go on a ride together. And like, we're all in this and we're all about you, the customer. And we're gonna really like coach you through how to do this. We happen to have these tools that help you do it. Uh, and it's very intuitive and natural. But I think like that's such a powerful approach Uh, relative to kind of what the conventional way of, you know, content marketing has been.
2: Yeah. And I think the reason it's working for us is like, we know who we're trying to talk to, you know, like our customer is not a seasoned marketer, at least for the most part, it's like a solopreneur, you know? And so they want coaching. They are asking us in support to tell them how, right? And so, you know, that's, that's what we lean into on the show. I think the fact that we can be that specific, um, and, and help drive confidence in what they are trying to execute. I think that's, that's been the recipe for success, um, since we kind of changed it up a little bit.
1: So, uh, interesting question about that. You mentioned services and your, your customer support being a big driver of your success over the years. Uh, something that we've seen more recently as we've put out more content and become more educational and try to create more thought leadership is a demand for services where people are actually saying like, Hey, I want, you know, some of these SEO strategies you're talking about implemented, or I want a content engine that's similar to yours or, you know, whatever it may be. How have you seen your services shift since you've changed the content you're putting out? Have you seen a higher demand for services that are add-ons or things that you're providing in the customer support that's different?
2: You know, we don't offer any service, Certainly, we we offer an amazing. Um, at certain tiers, we'll offer like onboarding calls or dedicated customer success. Um, but we don't do any like execution and building. Uh, I had tested that early on. My God, is that hard? You know, like to create packages that are well defined. And we're a software company, so I think we've actually built out a, a pretty strong partner program. We can refer people who are looking for paid ads or SEO or people to build out their privy marketing campaigns and templates and things like that. So we, we've never done it. Um, but yeah, I think the bat one of the biggest challenges that we have is trying to serve small business, trying to educate them in one to many, we even offer like coaching calls if you're, you know, a qualified lead. Um, but you know, making sure that that doesn't become a, a free support call, you know, cause that's not something that works for us. We have an amazing support program. We have these one to many programs, but we can't be like one-to-one helping you build stuff, you know?
0: And Ben kind of a, a little bit of a different question, um, but just kind of going back and, or even just like taking a step back, like you think about the founder journey, Like, if you were to offer a couple pieces of advice to people who are, you know, starting out or they just launched or, you know, they're trying to hit that next, you know, early stage milestone, like, what are some of the things that you look back on? And I know you said it took a little while maybe to get, pick the right customer, go to market. Like, just curious if you have any glaring couple of of patterns that you saw, like looking back, you're like, man, I wish I had done that just a little differently or oof, that was painful. So many. I mean. It's a trick question. I, kn- I knew there were many. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
2: I think I think a few that stand out. Um, the the reason we were able to get off the ground was we found a distribution channel. I think so many people have ideas. And for me, like when someone pitches me for an angel investment, it's never I never have a doubt that you could build that, you know, like that's actually. It's really hard to build stuff, but that's the easy part, you know, um, everything else about getting customers and lots of them is, is really hard. So I think like you got to think about that um, and you got to be building, whether it's building your own audience from day zero, like you guys are doing, or this app store model or SEO, like whatever it is, you just need something because, um, you know, hand to hand, door to door, cold calling just doesn't work. Um, at least it didn't for us. So that, and then thinking about like this product-led world, I think you know, everyone just wants to try stuff. So, how quickly we talk about time to value, how quickly from when someone creates a free account, um, can they unlock an aha moment of like, oh yeah, like that's actually this is great, right? Um, and I think that's that's an important thing to think about from a product perspective. And then support is everything, I, I think. like It's such a big part of our story. It's an incredible team we have here. I used to do it myself on the weekends. Like I'd have my, my wife helping out. Like, I, I think that is such a big part of how we grew. Um, I think in a lot of ways, if you have a mediocre product with a strong distribution model and an amazing customer support culture you can get way past a million in revenue.
1: A little bit like a company I used to work for. (laughs) Any, um, I love those recommendations. Any books you recommend founders read things that you've read that, that just changed your outlook or helped you through a tough time, be it fiction or nonfiction could be a business book, could be something else.
2: Yeah. Um, two, uh, hug your haters by Jay bear. Um, it's
0: a new one we haven't
2: heard we've
1: been getting some repeat recommendations i like that
2: it's good it's good um you know that was like I, I read that i saw him speak once and then i read it after but when i was doing all the customer support i would find that and we still feel this way today right like there are users of your product that will come in and they are so fucking angry they are so angry you suck, this thing sucks, like, you know, this is terrible. But what that book is all about is when you find those moments, if you, whether you're a customer support rep or the founder or whoever, lean into that, they are kind of so emotional on the other side because they were so hopeful, they were so passionate. And if you lean in, A, you're gonna learn a lot, and B, you have an opportunity to convert that person just by an amazing customer experience into an advocate externally. And I've I just found Excellent. that to be true so many times. Um, so that book, you know, I read it probably five years ago now, but still sticks with me every day. Love that one.
0: Yeah, it's a, I, I read this while back, I don't know where, but but they did an experiment where to look at like how people rated their experience at a restaurant where everything went really well and then the end, and at the end the you know, server dropped the bill off and maybe they looked at like the tip size things like that. Um and then they would look at others where things they would intentionally do something wrong, you know, send out the wrong dish, maybe make people wait longer, kind of like have this mess up in the experience, but then they would like overcorrect and like really, Hey, we're going to send you a free drink or Hey, that one's on the house, whatever. And then the net promotion and out of the experience that wasn't great. Like those people came out of it being like, this was, this was great. Like I would recommend it. Like I, you know, like I had a better experience. So it's very interesting with that support model. If you can overcorrect, uh, you can, I mean, I, I totally agree. You just really create those evangelists. Yeah. Kind of life plus, lifelong. You know? Plus
2: early on, what else are you doing? You know, like, what else matters? Unless you're the one writing code, but I wasn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, that product l- feedback's invaluable.
0: Yeah, I think building community early has been something that we've been. It's helped us in a lot of ways. It's it's definitely a, it's a support tool. It's like it's also really powerful for just early like feedback loops, you know, people say, Hey, we need this. And then boom, two days later, there's like a double whammy. Cause two days later, you're like, Hey, we built this thing. And you're like, what, you guys did that already. And, and we're like, yeah. And then, and then, you know, they're giving us feedback on it and then we're tweaking it again. So. Yeah. Um, I, I okay. remember just on
2: that thread, I remember meeting um, Ben Chestnut, the founder of MailChimp once. Amazingly inspiring, nice guy. And I I remember, like asking him like, how'd you do it? You know, like, How, how'd you do it? And and he just told me exactly that. He's like, we listened to our customers when they were asking for stuff. If enough of them asked, we built it. And then we just told them about it. And we just repeated that. <laughs> like, it sounds so simple, but I think, you know, he's right. And you see the reaction, Grant, when you follow up with those customers that ask for something and you deliver and it's like, oh, this is amazing. You know, like.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that I'm always inspired by with Mailchimp and a lot of other companies is just the long term like thinking. You know, I feel like a guy like like Ben is like kind of playing this infinite game. You know, uh, so they're you know they're thinking like you know decades in the making. So like I think a lot of people out there are like pretty impatient. They're you know, hey, I built this thing. You know, like why aren't people using it fast enough? Or like it's taking me so long to get from zero to a million, whatever it is. It's like man, you know, it might take you. Like you guys, it, 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 you said it took five years, right? And then, boom, look at where you're at now. So I think for people listening on this, you know, be patient. Uh, listen to the customer, do that, but but expect that it's going to take a lot of learning, some pain, some time. You're going to have to hug some haters. A lot of haters along the way, probably. But if you for stay sure. with it, right, can be pretty amazing. So this was awesome, Ben. Thanks for coming on yeah, the ben, show. Yeah, Ben,
2: thank you so much.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the Zero to a Million podcast brought to you by Unstack, the no-code marketing platform. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week for more startup insights and strategies.